Hello, welcome. Thank you for listening to First Responder Psychological Support. I'm Sarah Gura, and I am a licensed clinical professional counselor in the state of Illinois, and I am a licensed mental health counselor in the state of Florida. I am also an EMDR therapist and a yoga teacher at the Self Care Path LLC, where I treat first responders. This is season four, episode two, and I'm calling it F cubed, (laughs) but I think we can talk about F quadrupled as well, Uh, but I'll explain that soon. Let's first take a nice deep breath in, and on the exhale, just slowly let that out, pulling the shoulders down and away from the ears, maybe aligning your spine as you curve, and just allow those hips to drop. If you're sitting Maybe just let the back of the thighs and your root really plug into that space and let your body feel held. And maybe spread your toes and spread your hands like starfish and maybe do shoulder rolls or a little bit of a neck nod like you're saying no and then say yes and Just take a moment to center and find your own breath. I want to talk about feeling your fucking feelings, right? So there's your three F's. And the F quadruple is fight, flight, freeze, or fuck. So if uh, you are offended by F words, this is not your podcast, but I highly doubt that that's the situation for my audience. Maybe the issue could be that you need earbuds if you have little ones uh, hanging around. But everyone thinks that feelings are irrational. They think that feelings are emotional. They think that feelings uh, are dumbing you down in a way. And I really would like to address that. We have a lot of fear about feelings. We teach boys and men especially to not talk about it, cry about it, ask for help or something must be wrong with them. And we certainly don't expect men to have feelings about things. And women who work in a male-dominated career are definitely shunned and punished uh, for making their crew even think that they have feelings. Unless they have an evolved circle around them, many first responders struggle to even understand the basics about feelings. So I'm going to talk about that with you. And my hope is not only do you use it for yourself in your personal life, but in your professional life. And if you are a spouse to use that information, this information within that relationship, or especially with your children. So let's talk about feeling fucking feelings. (laughs) So You have to know a little bit of lingo. Uh, Let's talk about emotions first. So e-motion. E in our language is exit. And motion in our language is movement. And I've explained or touched on this a little bit before, but I'll remind you that emotion, let's imagine that under the surface, and it's sitting there as a potential And if it gets triggered by something that's happening within you or in your environment, 
that trigger is going to have that emotion move. It's going to exit and it's going to move within your body. It's going to move within your mind. It's going to probably move, you know, your heart and your lungs because feelings are a result of a chemical response. So when that emotion moves and starts traveling within the body, it becomes a feeling. In fact, two kinds of feelings. Um, Think about the cortisol, the adrenaline, the catecholamines, the stress hormones, all working in your body to help you feel or sense something. So the two ways that an emotion manifests into our awareness is a psychological feeling and a physiological feeling. And of course, a lot of my clients like to block one or the other, and some of you are so heavily defended that you can't feel the physical or psychological sensations of a feeling. And so what we want to do is get in this mode of noticing. Noticing is a really important word in my field. And I really started noticing the word notice uh, with EMDR training, with the adaptive information processing model that EMDR uses uh, for a trauma-informed therapist. You know, this is kind of the basics, but noticing is so important because we're not asking, what do you think? What do you feel? What are you imagining? What do you see? What are your ideas? Um, we're just asking you to notice. And when an emotion moves within you, I want you to notice how it moves within you. And I want you to notice that there's a psychological feeling and a matching physiological feeling that you are going to be able to notice. And when you notice something, what you're starting to do is practice self-awareness. So notice in its own way is a small, brief meditation And with that noticing, you become self-aware. And the more self-awareness and the more practice you have in noticing your feelings, your psychological and physiological feelings, the more you're going to be able to recognize your patterns. And recognizing your patterns are so important because if you notice something and you become more self-aware about it and you can recognize a pattern, This is our first in to stopping repetition compulsion. So what is repetition compulsion? I talked about this in the podcast called Having is Wanting. But repetition compulsion is a human being's conscious and subconscious powerful desire to recreate the past, to relive the past. And Even though you might say, I don't desire that at all, Sarah, I have to call the bullshit card because no one comes to see me for any other reason than to address repetition compulsion. So uh, I encourage you to listen to that podcast, but basically it's saying you don't have to recreate the same exact thing. You just have to create the quality. So I think back in that earlier podcast, I used the example of a woman who ate ice cream to the point that she was very overweight and she wanted to lose weight. And I always call bullshit on that. It's not the weight that you want to lose. It's the terrible feelings. So what are the terrible feelings? I feel guilty. I feel ashamed. I feel regret. I feel embarrassment. And why would someone want to keep recreating that? Well, if I look into their past 
Um, maybe that was an unresolved set of emotions in their childhood or from a trauma memory, and they just didn't realize it. And people look at me and say, so I'm 400 pounds from eating ice cream because I wanted to feel guilt, shame, embarrassment, and regret. And I'm like, well, however you like to get it. I'm like, <laughs> People like to recreate misery. Uh, what do you want from me? I'm just the witness. Um, so going back to the lineup here, an emotion gets triggered, it becomes a physical and psychological sensation that you can notice and you can become more self-aware of it. And then you can recognize your patterns of, huh, this is a theme in my life. I'm always feeling this way. Does the world and the universe or God just like to shit on me in this way? No, that's how you shit on yourself. I know I'm holding you responsible and accountable and that makes people feel, um, maybe a little uncomfortable, but I want you to be comfortable in the discomfort because now you're getting closer. The next step is that if you don't like your repetition compulsion, if you don't like what you recognize in your patterns, then this is where you get to choose to change. And people don't think it's that easy. But when I think about choice, I think about uh, Buddhist psychology and I picture a fork in the road and I can choose the Sarah road or I can choose the not Sarah road. I can choose wise or unwise, alignment or misalignment, balanced or not balanced. So to me, it's just one or the other and neither one is good or bad or right or wrong. If I go down the unwise, not Sarah, imbalanced road, I'm on earth. No big deal. I'm human. Um, the universe is going to send me back to that fork in the road uh, with a life lesson. <laughs> it's not always pleasant, but life is pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral, and nothing else. It just goes through those pleasant, unpleasant, neutral cycles over and over and over. And if I was unwise during one of those moments, the world will let me know it. And I can choose to feel how that feels physically and psychologically. And it becomes a really great teacher. And I can choose to recognize that, right? I can notice, become self-aware and recognize that pattern. And then go back to the fork in the road and say, you know what? I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to go ahead down the Sarah road, <laughs> the wise road, and uh, live a little bit more happy, healthy, safe, and free. And so this is what I would love for people to do when it comes to choice, is to look at things in such a way that it is not good and bad, right and wrong, but just what is wise and what is unwise. And if you choose unwise, go ahead and learn and then come back to center and we'll send you on your way. If you ended up choosing wise in the first place, then you're just going to go to the next step and repeat because this is sort of Groundhog Day. Earth, uh, as you probably have come to notice for me, is a dangerous, unfair, chaotic place um, that will never, ever get better, but I can get wiser. So I get a little relief. That's, that's how this works. So what about the change part, right? Once I make the choice to change, people often look at me and say, how? And I try to remember or remind them, it's not so much about how, although I'll talk about that in a minute. 
um, is what are you going to do? What are you going to do is an easier question. How is what makes people spend a lot of time, energy, and money, I think, intellectualizing, overanalyzing? They read thousands of self-help books and still don't feel better kind of people. Um, But let's talk about change. There's change theory, especially through motivational interviewing. You know, we can talk about how many of our problems are sort of out of sight and out of mind until they hurt enough, right? Until that emotion is triggered and we notice it and we're aware of the psychological sensations uh, and the physiological sensations of what's going on. So if that comes into a little bit of awareness, we usually only see it, metaphorically speaking, in the periphery. It's like we don't want to look at it, look at it, because it hurts and it's painful and we might shove it back with our defenses many, many, many times. So let's talk about that for a second. Let's say you have an ouchie that you are not aware of and then you sort of notice it, it rises to the surface and then you push it back because you don't want to look at it. We have to also notice how a human being is sort of built or wired On the surface is your personality. And yes, personalities are only surface deep because those personalities are built and constructed by your defenses. And defenses are thoughts. They're cognitions that uh, use behaviors. So this isn't really an emotional thing. This is a reaction to emotion becoming a physical and psychological sensation. So defenses, you know, are, are they're tricky. <laughs> so, so let's picture the layers of this cake. On the surface is your personality, another layer in, and we're talking about your defenses. Another layer in is your ego. Your ego uses those defenses to create your personality. And what is at the very center, the mushy, gushy part that it's all protecting? Yourself. And I have talked about this before, where your heart represents the self. That's your truth, your gut, your intuition, your integrity. And just outside of that layer, I'm going to repeat myself, is that ego. And your ego is, you know, the thinker that gets you in all the trouble. And that ego is going to use the defenses, as I just said, to create this personality. And sometimes that makes us go on autopilot and we think that that's who we are. So anyway, let's say that that stuff was unnoticeable. It becomes noticed. And then the ego uses the defenses and your personality to push it back. But that life theme starts to emerge and it's more than just the periphery now. It's, it's a little bit more undeniable and you can't push it back anymore. So the next step in making any kind of change is that you need to make a plan, right? How am I going to deal with this? And that plan is um, best answered in what am I going to do about this? That's what a plan is. And it kind of describes the how. And then when we go from what the plan is, we have to take action on that plan. And if we take action on that plan, it's starting to come more to the center, more in front of us. And then we're taking a look at actual sustainable change. 
But as I always say, the mind will lean, it will bend, it will break. It is our job to get good at noticing that lean and coming back into alignment and not feeling shame or anything bad about the ebb and flow of life. You're going to have good and bad days. Sometimes I have 110% days. It's awesome. I'm an A plus student, but whatever, I'm not attached to that because other days I've confronted with shit I've never been through before and I get an absolute F, 30%, Sarah, you know? And that's just reality. And for the most part, I, I can decently hold myself up in this world, but <laughs> it takes a small crisis to knock anyone off their game, let alone a huge one. Uh, and I like to say I'm a C plus student. I am a damn good C plus student. I'm okay with that. And one of the reasons I can be okay with that is because I feel my fucking feelings. So now we're getting somewhere, right? My emotion is going to move to the surface. It's going to become a psychological and a physiological feeling. I'm going to notice that. I'm going to use my self-awareness to see if I have any recognizable patterns. And then I am going to choose the Sarah road to change. And I'm going to change by letting it come into my periphery. I'm going to make a plan, pulling it a little more toward the front of my vision. I'm going to take action on that plan, and then I'm going to sustain that. But we have to back up a scotch. <laughs> if we can go back a C here, right? We would notice that there's some details there that people really, really struggle with. And I'm going to try to articulate how to deal with that struggle. In a lot of, I would say, counseling psychology and Buddhist psychology thought, um, and in yoga, we will say, sit with it. And people will look at me like, sit with my feelings. And I'll say, yes. <laughs> and they'll be like, and then what, Sarah? <laughs> you, you sit with it. And if you sit with a feeling, that's where you notice it. And it's all uncomfortable and icky, gooey, sticky. And you create self-awareness with that. And you're like, okay, I'm aware. And now what? Uh, well, you got to recognize what's going on with you. Yeah. And then what? You feel a little bit worse? Yes, you're going to feel a little bit worse. It's okay. And then you have to make that choice to change. But there's something else that happens in there with the sitting when we sit with it. And one undeniable truth that I witness as a therapist and as a witness to my human, the Sarah, is that that feeling will keep reoccurring and reoccurring and happening over and be undeniable and unbeatable. It won't go away until I change. So let's take a moment to say, so I'm supposed to sit with it until I absolutely change. Yes. Sorry if you can hear Shadow in the background. He's always doing something. It's either snoring or prancing around or eating and drinking out of his bowls. Um, but he's a delightful soul to podcast with. So we're going to let that go. We're going to let it be. Um. And then I lose my train of thought. Oh, sitting with it. Here we go. Sitting with it until the feeling changes you. And what I wanted to talk about next is that this is the power and the intention of a feeling. You've probably heard me say in the previous podcasts as well that everything about a human has evolved 
to bring you this like super intelligence, right? Like you have these eyelashes and they quickly detect if something is too close to your eye because your eye is so sensitive and very significant for your functioning. And so we have this blinking um, to keep us safe. And we also have a reflexive action that it just, you know, we'll close our eyes if there's some kind of danger. And we know if we boink our knee, right, just in that right place in the front, our leg will kick out and that's a reflex too. And we know that our heart beats on its own, um, that we breathe and can hold our breath by choice, but that our spleen, our uh, liver, our pancreas, our stomach, our duodendum, our intestines, <laughs> you know, all of that stuff, the veins and arteries, our brain, all the things just operate on their own. And feelings are something that operate on their own. Thoughts do not. Thoughts are a choice. Thoughts are conditioned and beliefs are just repeated thoughts. So I try not to say I believe because I would rather just say I know or I don't know, but that would be a digress. So I'll come back to this idea that feelings are in the category of an automatic response. Feelings are in the category of reflex. It is not something that you can stop, control, ignore, deny, minimize, numb for too long without a problem, much like any other physical health issue. And yet we hate psychology and we hate feelings and people will question me and say, aren't you being emotional? And I'm like, yes, I am being very wise and intelligent, you defensive motherfucker. (laughs) Excuse my language, kind of. Um, But let me stay on track here and remind you that feelings happen for a reason, just like you blink or the reason why your mouth creates saliva, why your lungs breathe, why your heart beats, uh, all the things. Feelings happen because they help you to change. And change is important in this lifetime because by the time you are born all the way through to the time that you die, should you live a long life, you are going to have to change right? Because there's phases of life and there's uh, things that happen to us. And if we didn't have a psychological with a physiological feeling, we wouldn't evolve, grow, develop, you know, adapt, transition, adjust. So it's so important to feel your fucking feelings. It's so important to not let anyone make you deny your feelings ignore them, minimize them, or numb them. Because if you can notice emotion moving into a psychological and physiological sensation, you will notice that, become self-aware, recognize a pattern, and choose to change right in that moment. But once again, the reason that that doesn't happen is because we get trained to wonder, well, what will they think of me? Well, what will happen if I don't or if I do? And we, we try to get acceptance from the world and the people around us. We may doubt ourselves and we are certainly conditioned in our culture to not listen to the very powerful wisdom of our feelings. And then, of course, we get stuck. The ego is activated. It uses all the defenses. And then I see your personality. So am I suggesting that we should be personality-less? No, clearly you 
you sense my personality throughout this whole podcast. If you're listening to it and I have a set of defenses and an ego just like everyone else, and I have no desire to just be the self, I'm going to be the whole package and I'm going to know that I'm not for everyone. And I'm going to be okay with that uh, because I get to be human as well. And I want you to know that you can be human. And sometimes when I feel a feeling about something and I let the outside, you know, weigh in, I screw myself for a longer period of time. And so some people might worry, well, isn't this selfish? No. When you notice a feeling, it helps you to choose wisely. It tells you everything that you need to know about that situation. And we are always kind of numbing people's guts and intuitions. And then they go to sleep at night, not feeling like they have any, any integrity. And then they, they can't sleep. So when I say sit with it, when I say feel your fucking feelings, I am telling you that that is the most wise thing ever. Now, people will tell you, you're being emotional. You need to stop. And it's like, well, that's thoughts and behavior causing a problem. So I think you're being irrational and irrational might need to stop. But I would hate for you to tell yourself, stop feeling your feelings. I would hate for you to tell children to stop feeling their feelings because what that does is it teaches them to not trust their feeling. So if you say, go kiss your uncle Johnny goodnight, go kiss some goodbye, he's leaving, and your kid's like, I don't want to. Okay, let's, let's trust that feeling. You don't feel safe. You don't feel like you want to. No big deal. He, you're not going to get a goodbye or a greeting from this kid tonight. Um, the reaction isn't even necessary. If we would have just stopped at the feeling, we could express... Um, that feeling by just taking an action of saying, no, thank you. And then everything would be okay. But if the uncle gets insulted and the mom wants to punish the kid for doing that, you know, and ever, all the other kids, you know, gave him a hug or a kiss, goodbye or good night, um, that puts social pressure on that child. And then that child grows up and learns to not trust their intuition. So it's a big mess. And of course, we, we can talk about all other kinds of situations, like if there's shots fired on a call, or if you're in the middle of a structure fire, or if there's a dangerous scene, a domestic or something like this, and you don't know how to trust your feelings because everyone told you make the logical decision. Well, remember, logic is backed up by thinking and thinking is backed up by the ego. And yes, that's still valuable because there's experience there. But if you follow your gut, if you follow the hair standing up on the back of your neck, I can guarantee it's way more intelligent than the thoughts and experiences you're trying to pull from. And together, the point is don't favor one over the other. The point is putting them together. If you can feel your fucking feelings with all those thoughts and experience points, you're going to do even better. And so these are the things that I think we should be teaching people about, not to ignore, deny, minimize, or numb a feeling, but to take it into consideration as a very intense, beautiful, evolved mechanism, you know, uh, or skill of the human being. 
And I think we're kind of getting there. You know, we're still worried about, oh, this guy is, you know, a sissy pants and uh, he's not going to cut it. But again, that's thinking and that's behaving. And I think I say it many times, but I'll say it again, that we are not our thoughts. We can think about what we're thinking. That means we are the witness of our thoughts, right? So who's the witness? The self. The self can watch the ego, use the defenses, and create the personality. But I'll tell you what, we can't watch our feelings. We can't watch our feelings. We can't choose our feelings. We can choose our thoughts. We can choose our behaviors. But our feelings, once they're triggered, they're going to emote. They're going to emotion up into a physical and psychological feeling that you cannot control or stop, but you can learn from it. So my hope is that if this podcast was confusing in any way, that just clarified it. So I'm going to say that one more time. We are not our thoughts. We are the witness of our thoughts. And once we notice that we are the witness of our thoughts, we realize how we create our patterns and a lot of our own suffering. You know, and being on earth, you're going to feel pain. Pain is inevitable, but your suffering is an option. And if I can say one thing, I know that I feel the discomfort of a feeling rising to the surface. It's like I almost get bombarded. I feel a sense of overwhelm and I have to really pull myself together to notice with some self-awareness, what is this telling me? If I sit with this emotion and these feelings for a moment, what is it telling me? And then that wise stuff starts to happen and the correct thoughts and the correct behavior choices start to happen. And when I say correct, I mean wise. It's in alignment. It's balanced. It's the Sarah road. And it's not selfish at all. It's survival of the fittest. Because it's not only my body that has to survive. I have to keep my sanity. <laughs> and so do you. So I would love to keep emphasizing this feel your fucking feelings. And I hope it's making good sense. Um, I hope it helps you state change. I hope it helps you see the message sooner instead of later. And you can come back to homeostasis and have that more calm and peaceful life. And earlier in this podcast, I had mentioned F quadrupled. So I'm going to talk about that really quickly too, because a lot of my clients end up in my office because of fight, flight, freeze, and fuck. So what does that mean? That's a trauma response. And when you have a trauma response, you definitely can get lost in feelings. Uh, you don't want to listen to those feelings because they're very overwhelming and scary and your ego activates and it employs all these defenses and your personality is going to feel a little wobbly, but it's going to cling to the ego before it clings to the feelings. Um, so what, what choices does it have when that amygdala reacts in your limbic system? It can fight, right? Like, hey, this is a trauma and I'm going to fight for my life. It can flight, which is the best way for me to fight this is to run. I'm out of here. 
uh, and it can freeze, which means I can't fight it and I can't flight it. And so I'm preparing. One of the saddest reminders recently, um, uh, last weekend or so, was the 9-11 anniversary. And there was a picture that uh, was shown in 2001 that they kind of pushed to the back. They called him the jumper, and then there was some mention of him being a suicide jumper. Um, but what that was, I, in my belief was a a good example of freeze. Uh, He couldn't fight that fire or that smoke or that heat, and he couldn't flight from it either. And so the freeze, you know, is preparing for death. So what about the fourth thing that I mentioned? What else can your brain do in a crisis or in a trauma? Uh, It can choose to fuck. And with all the love in my heart, I wouldn't know this if I didn't work with a bunch of men, (laughs) but dudes sometimes present to me, well, if I can't fuck it and I can't kill it, Sarah, then what am I supposed to do? (laughs) And I I understand. And this podcast is a little bit of, well, what else can you do? Um, Because there's more than fucking things and killing them. Uh, Although I feel similar sometimes (laughs) because we're human right? We're all human. Um, So if those are the brain choices, that's what that F quadruple is. We need to consider at least my clinical opinion of feeling your fucking feelings. If you have F quadruple, could you please feel your feelings? Uh, Try not to ignore, deny, minimize, or numb them. Notice them become aware of them, notice the patterns, choose to change, uh, because that feeling's going to keep coming back and back and over and over again until you do make a change. And that is how we get from one phase of life to the next, how we go from ignorant to wise. And so again, if someone's like, aren't you being emotional, Sarah? I love to say, fuck yeah, I am. That's why I'm happier than you. (laughs) get a little sassy sometimes. So I hope this podcast was helpful for you. I hope you start feeling your fucking feelings. I will remind you that my name is Sarah Gura. I'm a licensed clinical professional counselor in Illinois and now a licensed mental health counselor in Florida. And I'm also an EMDR therapist, a trauma-informed therapist is what that means, a yoga teacher at the self-care path where I treat first responders. And I'm going to tell you to take good care and to stay safe and to do life so that it doesn't do you. All right.